Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. This will be our last sermon in Daniel 12. To give honor to God who has given us his word, if you're able, we'll stand as we begin reading at Daniel 12, starting at verse 5. <coughs> this is the word of the Lord. Daniel 12, verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on that bank of the river. And one said uh, to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finished shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. As for me, I heard, but I could not understand. So I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Let's pray together. Thank you, our glorious Lord, for this book of prophecy. Thank you that you have given your Holy Spirit to Daniel to give us this book, but also that you have spoken to him through the work of angels that you have sent to give us this, your holy word. Help us to receive it and believe it, and help us, we pray, to apply it to our lives. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I'd like to start off by asking, why study the Old Testament? I mean, you, you really probably could have a Christian who would may believe in the things of Christ and the things of God if they just studied um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the rest of the New Testament. But why study the Old Testament? I believe one of the clearest examples that is given in the New Testament comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 11, when Paul says this, now these things, talking about events in the Old Testament, now these things happened to them as an example to the Old Testament saints, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. Okay, so keep this in mind. Everything, not just what happened in the Exodus, but everything that happened, even during the periods of the judges, 
even during the times recorded by the prophets, even during the days of Hezekiah, even during every event, the days of Malachi, all these things were written for our instruction. So we learn from the examples of the Old Testament. Not to covet as they coveted, not to um, complain as they complained, not to turn to idolatry as they often did, but these are examples written to us that we would learn from them. And I think that there's much even in Daniel that we could learn from. But think about this. Paul says, unto us the end of the ages have come. God has brought to us, even starting from the days of Paul, even till now, what he calls the end of the ages have come unto us. And I think today's text will make that much more clear, that we understand that unto us, in this time receiving Christ, having faith in Christ, the end of the ages have come. And we'll look a little bit more at that. Um, Getting back to the context before chapter 12, uh, Daniel 11, and some of Daniel 12, is basically all given, you could say maybe recorded in dictation form from what an angel told Daniel. And in great detail, in chapter 11, Daniel records a lot of history that happens from the time of the end of Alexander the Great, even through great conflicts from the king of the north, the king of the south. Um, These are the two main kingdoms that are adjacent to the promised land. This is the kingdoms of the Ptolemies and the Seleucid Empire, the Ptolemy Empire in the south, and the Seleucid Empire in the north. The Seleucid Empire in the north, it's mentioned as being under Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, Most people would agree that the one spoken of at the end of Daniel 11 is Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, again, Epiphanes means the illustrious one. He, he, exal- he exalted himself in the place of God. Look at verse uh, 30. It says, um, He was disturbed in his plan to, to conquer the southern kingdom. And it says that he got interrupted, basically, and he became enraged at the Holy Covenant, and he then took action against them. Okay, he, according to historians, what he did was he sided with Greek Jews who worked against their own people to bring about the oppression of the, the Greek Empire upon their own people. Verses, uh, verse 31 says, Forces from him will arise. It mentions him desecrating the sanctuary fortress, and he will do away with the regular sacrifice, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. Verse 36, skip there. says, Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of of gods. So what he did was he set up an altar to a Greek god in the midst of the temple, but also had an image of himself in the in the holy temple as well. So not only would they worship this abomination, this idol 
that causes desolation. The word desolation could mean horror. So it's a horror before God and the men. And he was worshipped. Uh, he sought people to worship him in the holy temple. That's why we say that he committed a, an abomination of desolation. Daniel 11 closes with magnificent news. It says that Antiochus Epiphanes will come to his end and no one will help him. Good riddance. But all this prophecy seems very straightforward until you get to the New Testament. When you get to the New Testament, Jesus gives what they call the Olive, Olivet Discord on the Mount of Olives. And that pertains to the end times. So an issue is that Daniel is mentioned by Jesus and there still yet being a future abomination of desolation. Now we're going to try to come to an understanding of that, of why that is, and we'll look at one of those passages. Um, last Lord's Day we looked at Matthew 24. Today we'll look a little bit at Mark 13. Um, today's text, I believe, is fulfilled in the year 70 A.D. Look a little bit at the context of what's going to uh, precede us or come after this. Uh, Daniel 12, 5 and following says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on that bank of the river. And I said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters, Oh, and one said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be until the end of these wonders? So it looks like maybe there are two angels and one's talking to the other and they're asking, how long will this be till the end of these wonders come to pass? And that's what's going to be answered in today's text. We'll see this in two main points. The first is the shattered, the shattering of the holy people. The first is the shattering of the holy people. And then secondly, the time of waiting. So let's look first at this main point, the shattering of the holy people. Verse seven. I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters, and as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven, he's raising both hands toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time times and half a time and as soon as they finished shattering the power of the holy people all these events would be completed okay there's going to be a shattering of the power of the holy people i hope this will be clear by the end of this message okay olivet discourse we're not going to look at all these passages but remember matthew 24 Luke 21, but the passage we'll look, we'll look at later is Matthew, I'm um, sorry, will be Mark 13. Um, so again, Jesus spoke of an abomination of desolation that's still yet future and a great horror before both God and men. And Antiochus Epiphanes definitely did set up an abomination of desolation in his day. But there will be another abomination, an idol that causes death, desolation, horror, after Christ. And we'll, we'll look at that a little bit. So 
what does it mean by them having this shattering of the holy people? Of course, we believe that to be the Jews. Some of the language that you read concerning the destruction of Jerusalem sounds like the end of the world. And the book of Revelation talks about stars falling from the sky, and a lot of this language seems like the end of the world. But it, what it is, it's the end of the power of the holy people. Their power was shattered. What came afterwards? The rise of Christianity. The power of the holy people was shattered. After 70 AD, Israel really did not seem to exist as a, as a nation much at all until 1948 when there was a, a, a statement claiming to reestablish themselves as a nation in 1948. That's 2,000 years. So if, to say that they were shattered and couldn't really even exist as a nation for about 2,000 years, that's kind of a, that's a pretty bad shattering, pretty bad smashing. Uh, the, they might, some might say that the, the origin of Israel is with, after the Arab-Israel conflict and the Six-Day War of 1967, but um, they actually proclaimed themselves as a nation in 1948. Again, over 2,000 years, no longer existing as a nation, they were shattered. The Jews blasphemed their own Messiah. Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive them. Instead, they called him uh, as working with Beelzebul, the, the, the prince of demons. They blasphemed the son, eternal son of God. But there's a reason for this. Israel was shattered, or you could say Israel was cut off that we might be grafted in. Look at Romans 11. We're not going to do a deep study in Romans 11, but I just want to point one uh, aspect of Romans 11 there. Romans 11, starting at verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember this, it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You say then branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Behold then the kindness and severity of God to those who fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. Okay, we'll stop there. Israel, okay, the kingdom of God is like a big olive tree. The natural branch is cut off because of unbelief. And we, as Gentiles, which are like wild branches, were grafted in. 
And that's, that's what happened. The, the, the kingdom of the holy people were shattered so that God, the rise of Christianity would then come in its stead. And let's get back to Daniel. Um, Daniel uh, 12. The, um, they go, it goes on to say in Daniel 12, 8, As for me, I heard but could not understand. So I said, this is Daniel speaking, So I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Okay. As far as this book being sealed, if you read this, if you read these verses, you might say to yourself, well, is the book sealed to the point where no one's going to access the prophecies of Daniel until the end time? might seem that way, doesn't it? But that's not the case. Um, during uh, Alexander the Great entering into Jerusalem to conquer the city, Josephus records that the high priest at the time showed this book of, of Revelation, Daniel, showed Daniel to Alexander the Great and pointed to it and, and showed him that they believed that he was the king that would conquer and destroy the Persian rule. They, they, they felt Daniel foretold Alexander the Great as the conqueror who would overcome Persian rule, and they, they pointed this book to him. So it wasn't sealed away till the end of time. We have the book. It was used even before the birth of Christ. But um, look what it says about purging. He says, uh, Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly. We'll look a little bit that at that at some of the language that's given in, in Mark 13 shortly. So let's then look next at the time of waiting. The time of waiting. Verse 11 and, through 13. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, saying as for you, Daniel, go your way to the end, and then you, then you will enter into your rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Again, this abomination of desolation is mentioned in Daniel 11. It's mentioned again here in Daniel 12, 11. And we don't know for sure, but there's a firm, repeated holding by many scholars that this book does foretell the coming destruction in 70 A.D. Okay, here, and we'll make a case for that. The siege for Jerusalem lasted, according to some historians, four months, three weeks, and four days. Now, that's not quite a thousand, over, that's not 1,200 or even 1,335 days, 
But the timeline starts, according to this, the timeline starts when an abomination is presented in the holy temple. And then the timeline then goes on from there. But if you add, if you add up that link to that siege from the time prior, which really led to the, con to the conflict, that seems to give us uh, an approximate timeline. Look at Mark 13. Keep your place in Daniel, but look at Mark 13. Again, this is one of the accountings of the Olivet Discourse. Um, Jesus gave one Olivet Discourse, but it's recorded by three different gospel writers, and here's one uh, account of it. Verse 1. And he was going out of the temple, that is, Jesus was going out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately, Tell us when these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Let's stop there. Josephus records during the time of the siege of Jerusalem that there were earthquakes during this particular time. And he does mention, well, okay, there's a, there's a mention in this text, in chapter 13, that nation rising up against nation, that's the Roman Empire rising up against the Jewish revolt, is what we understand. So then when the cities began to be surrounded and overtaken by the Romans, we're going to see that there is a lesson for them to leave now verse 9 and following but be on your guard for they will deliver you to the courts you will be flogged in the synagogues and you will stand before governors uh, and kings for my sake as a testimony to them the gospel must first be preached to all nations when they arrest you and hand you over do not worry beforehand about what you are to say but whatever is given you in that hour for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Again, all right, so parents 
being betrayed by children, brother, uh, betraying brother to death. It's the same thing that's mentioned earlier, that there will be a refining, a purging, a great tribulation among God's people. And there was a great suffering. If you want to study some of this, study the very beginning of the book of Fox's Book of Martyrs. The, the betrayal and the, the executions that happened, the, and even some many people who were tortured to death because of their faith and because they were betrayed. It goes on to say in verse 14, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, if someone here has a, an ESV, it's translated a little bit differently. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, he, mentioning person, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, so instead of maybe an idol being set up in the holy temple, perhaps it's a person. Perhaps it's Titus that's being talked about. Titus was the son of the emperor who was overseeing the siege of Jerusalem at the time. And if you've ever uh, seen pictures of the Ark of, Tychus, of Titus in, in Jerusalem, I mean, sorry, in Rome, if you go to Rome and you see this Ark, it's this big, massive structure in Rome, and it's called the Ark of, of Titus. And it has images of history laid upon an engraved like in, they call it relief. So instead of just a statue, it's actually statues kind of that are coming out of the, the actual ark, this big ark. And I'm going to read you a, a part of a, his, a history letter concerning the Ark of Titus. The Ark of Titus was erected in the year 82. The Ark was commissioned by his brother uh, Domitian, Though Titus wasn't able to see this ark in his lifetime, the Colosseum side of the ceilings contains this inscription, the Roman Senate and people to the deified Titus. Okay, it's addressed to the deified Titus. In other words, the Titus who was supposedly a man that became a god. He set himself up as an abomination. The Roman people set himself up as an idol to be worshipped. The two relief panels on the opposite side of the passageway made the core of this arch. The first relief shows the spoils of war from the temple. The menorah, the altar, the trumpets, and other such articles taken out of the holy temple that they had destroyed. Now, you might ask yourself, well, didn't they burn the temple down to the ground? And if they burned the temple down to the ground, you always wonder, well, did they have opportunity to go inside the temple if they burned it down to the ground? Well, obviously, they had opportunity to go inside the temple if they were able to go in and get the fine articles out of the temple before they burned it all down. And again, historians tell us that the, one of the reasons why the Romans took it down, one stone down from another, is because they were trying to get all that gold overlay that was placed on the, on the walls of the temple. 
And that's why they had to tear it down stone by stone so they can get to the foundation and get all that gold that was melted down into the, into the ground. I can't give you an exact answer for the, these numbers of days, 1,290 days, 1,335 days. But I am 100% confident that what is recorded in Daniel 12 here is history that has already come to pass. It involved the shattering of the, the old covenant people called the holy people. Why? So that the, the branches of the Christians would be grafted in. They were cut off that we would be brought in to the great tree of God's kingdom. There's still a time of waiting for us. Look at Daniel again in verse 13 at the end of the, of the prophecy. But as for you, as for you, Daniel, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Paul speaks of the end of the age having come unto us in this modern era, that all the things written beforehand in the Old Testament led to the, you could say, the end of the age for us. But there's an end of the age mentioned for Daniel. And that end of the age is when Christ returns to raise us from the dead. And even for Daniel, he says, you will rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Brothers and sisters, each of us who are in Christ, we will rise again, and God will give us an allotted portion. He has a portion set aside for us. Jesus said that he went to prepare a place for us, an allotted portion for each one of us, and we will see Daniel there among the other saints of history. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this your word and we thank you for this wonderful book of daniel that foretold the coming of kingdoms the rise of kingdoms the fall of kingdoms even the fall of your people israel the shattering of your people israel for over two thousand years help us we pray to remember that you brought us into the kingdom that you grafted us in, that branches were cut off, that we might be grafted in. Help us, we pray, not to be boastful, but help us to be humble. Help us to remember the things that we've learned from this book and help us to rejoice that you are the God who is almighty. You are the God who has foretold history in such a precise way through your servant, Daniel, and through your holy angels. Help us to remember these things and to rejoice in you, the King of glory. For we ask these things all in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 530. Teach me thy way, O Lord. And we'll stand and sing 530.